What's cracking? Big. Oh. Welcome, Bite, to the channel. Welcome, Bite, to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. This is BDGE. I was going to point. I like. I still have PTSD from pointing to the big banner that used to sit beside me. Remember that big-ass white one? Rip. I don't even know where that is right now. But I do know where we are. We're in the headquarters, and it's Tuesday, which means it's Safi Seconds, a name decided upon by the people, for the people, not by the public, by the people, okay? Safi Seconds, week by week, we are going down the sophomore train of players, taking the wide receiver one and the running back one, the wide receiver two and the running back two, and we're, and we're breaking them down. So today's episode, we're on the third installment of Safi Seconds, Antonio Gibson, T. Higgins, a lot of upside here. A lot of floor, a lot of upside, a lot of risk, a lot of flashiness. The streets is hot. I would argue there's nothing hotter than the, than the buzz behind Antonio Gibson right now. But there are a lot of a lot of rapoomers, a lot of reports, a lot of rumors. Rapoomers, that's the new fucking word we're using out here, right? Sponsored by Puma. Let's go. The Rapoomas. Send me a fucking pair. I've actually never owned a pair of Pumas in my life. I don't know. They do that European thing where, like, the front of the toes are rounded over. And I'm like, am I about to play soccer? Am I about to go on a date? Like, what the fuck is going on here? Therefore, Puma, do not sponsor us, please. All right? We are ready. We are ready. We are fucking ripping. We have our, our camera coffee. You know, one of my favorite things in the world are is our really weird coffee mugs. My favorite one. Actually, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole. But if you want to send me a cool coffee mug for whatever reason, DM me on Twitter or Instagram or something. I will give you my address. I'm not going to give you my address. Really, really bad idea. But a really good idea would be to start this fucking video. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to tuck our shirts in. Stop yelling. And let's eat. All right, for those of y'all that are new to the channel, I understand that intro probably did not tell you at all what the fuck we're doing today. Basically, we're going down the ADP, the average draft position of this sophomore class for the fantasy football season of the year 2021. Okay, we've already done Jonathan Taylor and CeeDee Lamb two weeks ago, so if you missed that video, we'll link it in the description. Last week, we did Cam Akers and, uh, oh no, it was Justin Jefferson the first week, CeeDee Lamb the next week. Okay, so Cam Akers. CD Lamb this week. Again, Antonio Gibson, T. Higgins. We're going to break them down for 2021 fantasy football. We're going to give you the pros. We're going to give you the cons. We're going to give you the, the good, the bad, the fugly, and everything in between. We'll let you make the decision on whether or not they are worth their current price. Now, Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson's current price per underdog ADP. For some reason, I did not have it up right now. Good for me. Antonio Gibson's current ADP. Wow, he has dropped. When I started writing this blog post, his ADP was probably around like 16 he has dropped down to 19.8. So he's the 20th pick in underdog fantasy drafts right now. RB 14. RB 14, 20th pick. So the 208. He's starting to drop to the mid-second round. And these are obviously with the reports that have come out recently, which we will get to at the end of it. I just want to talk about his 2020 season first off, right? Rookie, super exciting. There weren't a lot of people that didn't like him outside of a few people who told you to draft Bryce Love over Antonio Gibson. Gibson was our RB6 in the class. From a prospect profile, the athletics, the measurables, we know what he is, right? He's, he's, he's David Johnson-esque. He's big, he's fast, he's strong. He does everything that you want from a running back. We've just never actually seen him perform like a running back on the football field because coming out of Memphis, he was part receiver, part running back, but barely played a part at both of those positions. So we didn't know what we were really going to get. Comes to Washington, 
And he has this role, kind of the opposite of what we thought we were going to see. He becomes like the early down guy. He becomes the grinder, the first and second down guy. Whereas we were assuming he was so athletic, there's no way you can keep him off the field on third downs. Great as a rookie. No two ways about it, right? And his outlook for 2021 is clearly no secret here. Uh, the ADP on underdog is annoyingly sharp to the point where you really can't get values anymore. But people, that it's a predictor of what's going to happen in the summer, right? You do leagues on like sleeper you do leagues on like yahoo or espn or you do mock drafts on them right now and what you see is a lot of these guys i'm sure in the beginning of the spring you could probably get gibson in like the third fourth round early second round now he's moving down a little bit but we look at what he did last year as a rookie 170 carries 795 rushing yards 4.7 yards per carry 11 touchdowns on the ground which is beautiful in the passing game we're we thought he would contribute in a major way. 44 targets, 36 receptions, 247 yards. Did not score via the air, but there's 11 touchdowns, man. He, he played in just 14 games. So to rack off 11 touchdowns, 44 targets in 14 games. I mean, listen, it's not the 70 targets we wish we had seen from him, but it's low-key not not a bad number, okay? The problem, of course, the problem, of course, after, you know, it's a rookie, right? Everyone's making the case like, oh, ever, or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, everyone doesn't like him this year, even though he went for 1,000 yards from scrimmage and eight touchdowns or 10 touchdowns or whatever yet Antonio Gibson went for a thousand yards from scrimmage 11 touchdowns in 14 games the problem the problem of course was JD McKissick sweet old JD McKissick 110 targets last year led all led every single NFL running back in that category would he have Saquon and Christian McCaffrey healthy I don't know but we will never fucking know what we do know is JD McKissick led NFL running backs in targets last year with 110 of them the problem becomes third downs because JD McKissick outsnapped Antonio Gibson 197 to 22 on third downs. That's per Graham Barfield, one of his tweets, at Graham Barfield on Twitter. Definitely worth going to follow. That, my friends, is the clinical definition of insanity. But is it? But is it? When you look at who J.D. McKissick is, and that's what I've been saying all offseason, man, J.D. McKissick is clearly a great pass-catching back, and I feel like people who invested in Antonio Gibson, either in Dynasty or Redraft last year, are trying to act like J.D. McKissick is like James White or trying to act like J.D. McKissick is like Theo Riddick. He's just like a thorn in the side. He's not a good football player, and he's just a guy who catches passes and then like falls down. But that's not, that's not true at all because when you look at what J.D. McKissick did back in college, Arkansas State, he was actually a wide receiver, right? 103 catches, 82 catches, 52 catches, 52 catches, like a significant uh, number of catches. His freshman year, he broke out as a receiver at Arkansas State. You look at the rushing side of things, two carries, 18 carries, nine carries, 18 carries. Like you could say he's just a running back that keeps getting in the way of Antonio Gibson catching passes, but he's literally a wide receiver that they're just using as a weapon out of the backfield. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Alex Smith was their quarterback. But last year, Alex Smith was looking at J.D. McKissick like, Trey Young looks at Rogaine, but Smith is gone and they sign Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the quarterback in Washington. Not a big dump off guy. So while McKissick's targets are going to drop tremendously relative to last year, the question becomes, does his play time, right? We need Antonio Gibson to play on third downs in order for him to hit his ceiling or to hit the ceiling or to hit the value of where he's being drafted at. We know both guys can catch, but it seemed like they trusted McKissick way more on third downs to block more, right? Because we don't care about blocking in fantasy in terms of like efficiency, but it matters when coaches are going to play one guy over another guy uh, because of their blocking tendencies. It's not shocking given like gives again gibson super raw player wide receiver running back elite athlete but when you have no experience when you have a lack of experience at the running back position and understanding where different blocking schemes are coming from and understanding where you're supposed to be picking up blocks there, he has the size of course like he can develop into a good blocker he just has no experience in it so his lack of experience 
blocking is the reason that Jaden McKissick probably played so much on third down. And when you look at the PFF numbers, right, they do grading for blocking at the running back position. McKissick was asked to block on 21% of his snaps, and his blocking grade was top 15 at the running back position last year. When you look at Gibson, it was a very small sample size, limited sample, because he wasn't asked to block too much. He wasn't in on third downs. He ranked 67th of 69 qualified backs. Again, much smaller sample size. Things can change quickly. Gibson has the frame to do it and develop into a pass blocking guy. And and maybe with Fitz under center, they deprioritize pass blocking a little bit uh, from the running backs because Fitz is a little bit more mobile. And you look at Alex Smith, who had one knee last year, you know, Fitz is, Fitz is going to be able to take care of himself a little bit more. Uh, but it's something worth noting. So the third down split might be more annoying in 2021 than we're actually preparing for. I know we all just want it to happen. And they're talking about it, right? He, Ron Rivera is saying that they're going to get Gibson more involved and he's going to have a breakout this year. And we'll take that at face value for what it is and we'll see what happens with uh, beat reports and we'll see what they're doing in camp and, and preseason, things like that. So something definitely to monitor, definitely like when they do preseason, when they have preseason games and it becomes a little bit more serious and we're getting tendencies on third downs and we're actually seeing the starting offense on third downs and seeing the splits between those two. Who knows? Maybe the fact that they add Curtis Samuel, right, means that J.D. McKissick is no longer really a part of their plan because Curtis Samuel can kind of take that role but be more of an outside uh, weapon. So they add Curtis Samuel. They add De'Ami Brown in the NFL draft, who is a, a nice little, like, deep threat possession guy on the outside. So we know Gibson's going to eat on the ground. There's no one to take carries from him whatsoever. He should see, like, 80% of their goal line carries, which is a really, really valuable thing to have in fantasy. Um, so he should have a floor. Like, he should have no problem seeing 240-plus carries, 1,000 rushing yards in 2021. And I think that's probably close to his floor. But, 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 with all of what I just said being said, J.D. McKissick, third down, the offense, the offensive line, whatever, my biggest concern right now, my biggest concern right now, is this thing is this fucking thing it's what you call a toe it's what you call a toe and antonio gibson might be playing with nine of them this year you look at the reports man antonio gibson is still rehabbing from the toe injury he suffered late in the 2020 season he missed two games near the end of his impressive rookie campaign with the toe issue uh he's able to make cuts he he's able to make the cuts he needs to but the toe injury is something we'll have to monitor moving forward so here is here's the thing right it's it's turf toe i suppose I, I don't know if we know exactly what it is but you could say okay turf toe should last a couple weeks right like we've seen players have turf toe come back and, and be fine like Devontae adams last year or whatever and that's very true my problem is like why is he if, if it costs him two games at the end of the year those are two weeks plus the last four months this is something that's been lingering for a very 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 long time um so i went to twitter right there's no other place i trust more in the world than twitter and i i follow a lot of doctors on twitter follow a lot of people that that work in the toe game all right these guys are the best in the toe game especially when it comes to athletes and here are their tweets all right i'm just trying to give you the information one of the biggest mistakes i see year in and year out if you're already a subscriber to my channel, you've heard me say this a million times. If you're new to the channel, welcome and make sure you hit the fucking subscribe button. But one of the biggest mistakes fantasy players make year in and year out is injury optimism. Okay, injury optimism. If you guys draft players who come into the year injured, you've dealt with this before. You know, you hear all the reports like, oh, he'll be good to go by week one. He'll be good to go. But he misses all of training camp and he misses the preseason games and all this shit. And the likelihood of them being re-injured when they're entering the year injured is extremely high. Everyone has these timetables that are unrealistic for them to return from. So injury optimism is the biggest, single biggest mistake fantasy players make. It's just drafting players. Don't find injuries in fantasy football because they will find you, okay? Don't find injuries. They're going to find you. Antonio Gibson, it's very early in the summer right now. So this could very much be in the rearview mirror, but it's one of the injuries that we will be 
closely, closely monitoring, okay? From Edwin Porras, best case scenario, rehabs through camp, weans off a foot plate, never hear about it again. Likely case, rehabs through camp, continued use of foot plate. Wednesdays, do not practices during the season. Twitter anxiety racks up, misses .5, one games, January surgery. Worst case, in-game exacerbation plus surgery. And then Dr. Morse had to chime in, of course. This is correct. If worst case scenario happens in, say, week one, he misses three to four months, season ending. Uh, you look at Ian Rappaport talking about Patrick Mahomes on his repair toe. If there's a game today, I'd be able to play in it. Just Jesse Morse chiming in again, doing what he does best. Great news, which is to be expected. This is a reminder that turf toe is a serious injury. Good chance that Antonio Gibson's is also a grade two. And if he had surgery, would miss three to five months. Mahomes had a surgery 210-21 almost four months ago. Running back runs more than quarterback. Warning, 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 trigger warning right there for all y'all that drafted Antonio Gibson. And then Matthew Betts, Antonio Gibson's turf toe. Athletes can return at a high level after turf toe without surgery if given enough time to heal. He's cutting in indicating this isn't a time to panic. I'm still drafting with confidence. Um, okay, so again, 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 there's a lot going on right now. We have a lot of time between now and the season. So this is something to, to monitor extremely, extremely, extremely closely. I'm glad that his ADP is starting to drop now because if it was in the early second round, if he was like the 201 to 203, that's a little bit too much risk for me, especially not knowing what his role is going to be on third downs plus the toe injury. Um, we'll see see what happens if he does not aggravate it for the next two two and a half months which will lead up to the nfl season seems like he'll be good to go but the fact that he's cutting looks good the problem with it is it could be exacerbated at any time and you know someone can fuck up their toe at any time during the summer and that's turf toe and they need three to four weeks if he re-aggravates his toe it's most likely going to lead to surgery okay and that means three to four that means the season's gone that means you lose antonio gibson for the year so if you're using your early second round pick on a player who is one little turf toe injury away from needing the surgery, which is out for the year, you're pretty much fucked. So there's a lot of risk with Antonio Gibson. The upside, the upside is absolutely league winning. He could be the Christian McCaffrey, right? Ron Rivera's compared him to Christian McCaffrey. Ron Rivera's used Christian McCaffrey to be the Christian McCaffrey that we know Christian McCaffrey to be right now. So the upside is absolutely league winning with Antonio Gibson if he's healthy, if they use him on third downs. The downside right now is the fact that we already know he's fucking injured. We already know his toe is a problem right now. Can it be better by the end of the summer? Of course it can. But it's something very, very much, very, 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 very much worth keeping an eye on. So the upside is real. The downside is also, also real. Second round pick, little juicy for me right now. If he drops to like the 210, 211, 212, then I'm, then I'm on board. But uh, middle of the second round gets a little, it's a little spicy. Gets a little crispy for me there. So that is my piece on Antonio Gibson. Let's move over to Titty Boy T. Higgins, Cincinnati Bengals, current ADP, wide receiver 26, 59 overall. So that is the end of the fifth round. Basically, like the 5'10, 5'11, I believe, maybe. I can't really do math, but the 59th pick, 5'11. So it's basically end of fifth round, early sixth round. I think that's a beautiful spot to pick him. He had a tremendous rookie season 108 targets, 67 catches, 908 yards, six tugs. Target share over 20% as a rookie, despite not playing much during the first month of the season. Here's 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 a crazy little stat. Here's a crazy little stat. Just the 23rd rookie since the year 2000 to top 900 receiving yards in his rookie season. 23rd since 2000. So that's basically on average. If you do the mathematicals, which I do with my TI-83+, plus, that's almost one a year. So he was on average the one of 20. Obviously, there was like four last year that did it because it was a good year as well as the year before. But he's in a very select group. The more select group, which is even which is wildly impressive, is this. He is just the eighth, the eighth wide receiver to do it since 2000 as a 21-year-old rookie. It's always more impressive when you could do it at a younger age. It's more difficult to do it. You're going against older, more experienced guys, and you are younger. You haven't had time to develop. 
21-year-old rookie. is the eighth 21-year-old rookie to surpass 900 receiving yards. That list, Justin Jefferson, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, CeeDee Lamb, and Juju. That is a very, very fucking good list to be a part of. And we have Joe Burrow being back, hopefully, by the start of the season. Higgins, unsurprisingly, was much better with Burrow under center than without him. Uh, The obvious concerns here, they add Jamar Chase. You draft somebody number five overall to become your alpha, okay? Can T. Higgins be a very, very amazing 1B-ish, 1BC to Jamar Chase's 1A? Yes. The last time the Bengals drafted a guy a wide receiver this early, it was A.J. Green. A.J. Green, I would say, became the alpha for the Cincinnati Bengals. You could say, okay, well, Jamar Chase is a rookie. It's going to take some time for him to develop. Like, no, it's really not. He is he is as pro-ready as they come, and he also has built-in chemistry with Joe Burrow. They, they played together at LSU. Do you remember when Jamar Chase went for about a zillion touchdowns? There's not a lot of time. There's not going to be a lot of time needed for Jamar Chase to develop into this alpha role for the Cincinnati Bengals. So that, that, that pretty much means T. Higgins does not have the alpha ceiling that someone that's coming off of a 900-yard rookie season, we'd expect or we'd want uh, to have or project, right? I don't think we can project it as that. Deegan's is going to be like a flanker possession guy, or a possession guy on the outside. I don't expect a ton of big plays down the field. I feel like that's going to be Jamar Chase's role. I don't expect him to be a target hog. Maybe in the red zone, though. Um, at the end of the day, I think Higgins is a really high-floor player who, if he has a little bit of touchdown luck this year, eight to 10 touchdowns could be a really, really good fantasy player for you, a top 15 fantasy wide receiver for you. I'd imagine a slight improvement statistically um, on last year. I would say like, you know, 75 catches, 1,000 to 1,100 receiving yards, seven to eight touchdowns. That's a solid, that's a solid low end wide receiver too, right there, right? I'm happy taking him at wide receiver 26. I think, I think you, I think you're paying for exactly what you know you're getting. I don't know if that came out correctly, but when you buy Higgins, you're expecting a very small range of outcomes, you know, 70 to 75 catches, 1,000 yards, six to eight touchdowns. And of course, it could go slightly another way. But you know what you're paying for when, you, when, when you're when you paying for T. Higgins. Ceiling is not there, but the floor is not going to drop out from underneath you. Um, and I think, that, you know, there's there's a time and place for those kind of guys, right? If you have your, your roster solidified and he's like your wide receiver three, you're getting him at the end of the fifth, early sixth round. Like, you'll take that all day. I think Jamar Chase is, is ADP is a little bit ridiculous. He's getting picked now a full round ahead of T. Higgins in redraft on underdog fantasy, which uh, I cannot get behind there. And the guy's going around T. Higgins. T. Higgins is at wide receiver 26. So you have Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 24. Uh, riskier than Higgins. Probably a little bit more upside. But I don't think going T. Higgins over Deontay Johnson is crazy. Uh, you have wide receiver 25, Kenny Galladay. I think they have similar outcomes. I think we'll see uh, statistically about the same uh, the same finish for both of those guys in fantasy this year. Wide receiver 27, you have Ayuk. You obviously have Trey Lance as a runner. A little bit of a concern there with the overall pass volume. Of course, you're splitting targets with Debo Samuel and, uh, and George Kittle. So I think you know, there's there could be even more upside for T. Higgins there. And wide receiver 28, Odell. We're definitely not fucking taking Odell over T. Higgins. So I think he's getting picked in the right spot. And I think I'd probably rather have him than a lot of the guys in that area. Okay. So again, T. Higgins, you know what you're getting when you're drafting him. You're getting a really, really solid low end wide receiver two, probably a high end wide receiver three that I'd be happy to just throw into my lineup and set it. Forget it. He'll have some boring games, but he'll have some probably like six for 70 and two touchdown games, which will be uh, a nice little dub in the column for you there. And that will wrap up this week's Safi Seconds. Next week will be the RB4, and will be the wide receiver four. And uh, and according to the ADP there, it'll be Ayuk, and it will be either, I think it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so that should be an exciting one. On the ducket for next week, every Tuesday we're doing Safi Seconds. Next next video, we're doing, we're doing videos every single fucking day. So at this point, if you're not subscribed, I don't know what you're doing. 
We're giving you the best fantasy advice that y'all can possibly find on the motherfucking interwebs. So subscribe to the channel. Hit the thumbs up button if you enjoyed. Let me know your take on Antonio Gibson. Let me know your take your take on T. Higgins. Are you taking Antonio Gibson over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? I think that's a really, really strong debate to have right now based on the Antonio Gibson toe thing. I would probably take Gibson over Clyde if all else is equal, if the health is there. But it's going to be an interesting breakdown for Clyde regardless. So make sure y'all are ready for next week. Mr. Tony, thank you for editing this video. Make sure you're following Tony, thy editor, the fake intern. And, uh, and that's it. So I'll see y'all tomorrow. Blouses. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.